Welcome to the Holy City Church Podcast Station. This is Pastor Angel. If you missed Sunday's sermon or want to listen to it again, you're in the right place. We're glad that you can take the time to catch up as we go through God's Word together. So I hope you're ready. But if you're not, grab your Bible. Let's get ready for what God has in store for us today. I'm sure if, if you've ever been, uh, I'm sure you've been asked this question many times before. Uh, what would you like people to know you for uh, or, or to remember you by, uh, whether you're alive or whether you're, you know, you've passed away? What is it that one thing you want people to remember you for? What is that one thing, one, that one attitude or, or the one uh, specific idea or something that you want people who are still here remember you for? And even though we've been asked this question so many times, it, it always feels like when it's time for us to answer that question, is always kind of, you know, we hesitate a little bit, right? We don't give you an answer right away. That's because there's so many good characteristics from a, that, you know, humans can have, at least from good in our point of view, right? Uh, and it's... And when you think about them, you, you kind of go through them. You're like, man, this is, we, we can do a lot of really good things and we can be known for a lot of really good things. So what is that one truly, one true thing that I want people to know me for? What is it? Uh, there was a UK, in UK, there's a charity company who asked 845 uh, people what they would like to be remembered for after they die. And coming in with 36% of the responses, the number one answer is that they would like to be remembered for their sense of humor. So 36% of those 845 people said that they would like to be remembered for being funny or for having, you know, laughing and stuff like that. And, and 41% who replied uh, their best memories of a disease were their jokes, their smile, and their laughs. So I think we tend to have that desire to be known to be uh, you know, a funny, you know, uh, person to be around with. You can kind of assume, right? I was reading another article and this thread asked the same question, but this thread required you to actually give a response. It wasn't, you know, which attitude and check one. It required you to respond to this question. And the, ans- and the responses were very inspiring. One person says, I would like to be known as a person who made a difference in the lives of the people she touched. And then there's another response that says, I want to be remembered as an always happy person. I want to be remembered as a true and loyal friend. And then another response says, if anything, I'd like for them to remember the good times I did. Maybe that would inspire them to make difference in the world. So I think for the most part, people want to be remembered for something good. I don't think anybody ever has that Oh, I want to be remembered for being a really bad criminal or uh, even though I'm pretty sure there might be something out there that says, you know, I want to be remembered for being one of the, the most, you know, biggest criminal in the whole world or something like that, right? I'm sure there might be a percentage. But most of the people want to be known for something good. But as I read through all these articles, there was one response that I, I didn't really see much. There wasn't a response that popped out in any of these Uh and it seems like no one wants to be remembered as a humble person. For some reason, 
that wasn't something that stood out. That wasn't a response. No one was really saying, I want to be known as somebody who serves a lot or, or somebody who, who just thinks about everybody else first. You know, and, and I can just imagine why they wouldn't, you know, why that wouldn't be one of those uh, attitudes or one of those ideas that we would like to be known for. It is, it is hard to be humble. It requires a lot to be humble. It's not something that's easy, right? It requires you to give up a lot of yourself and, and put others before you. And that is not very easy to do. Maybe this is the reason why being humble is a command in the Bible and it wasn't just left for us to, you know, use our best judgment and, and common sense because if it's up to us, we'll probably put ourselves first before any time, anybody, anytime. It's not something that we, this comes within us naturally to put others before us. Now, on top of that, Paul shows us that there is joy when we live in it with this humble attitude. And I want to take you there to Philippians 2, chapter 2. We're going to look at verse 1 through 8. And I titled this message, Finding Joy Through Your Attitude. And Paul starts this verse with a request. He starts with a fundamental request. And he says, So, if there is any encouragement in Christ any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being the same mind, having the same love, being of full accord to one mind, of one mind. See, Paul's request to the church of Philippi is that they have the same set of mind. And this is something that we've saw before in chapter 1, but this one's a little bit different. This one's a little bit different than is mentioned in chapter 1. Here Paul is talking about the church of Philippi to have the same attitude. That's what this, uh, that's what this word here in this verse translates to, is having the same mind, is having the same attitude. And this attitude is possible because of something we have received already from Christ. says Paul says, if there is encouragement, comfort, fellowship, and affection, and compassion, you have the responsibility to do what I'm about to tell you. You already have that, so therefore, what I'm about to say is possible. Now, this if that Paul mentions here is it's a type of if that is like saying, if hot water, it's hot, then it's hot, right? If you can't say, well, hot water is cold. If hot water is hot, then it's hot. And if it's hot, you can do something with the hot water, right? So basically, he's, he's being sarcastic. He's not, you know, using if as, you know, if it's possible. No, it's, it's a sarcastic if. It's, it's more like he's saying, since you have these things, then therefore you can have these. So the idea is that the Philippi Christians have received the things and that he has that he has already mentioned. And those were things that he have that we have received from Christ, that they have received from Christ, are the foundation in which he stands on to be able to ask them 
what he's about to ask him. These four things is first encouragement in Christ. This means that Christ comes along to help. Christ is there. Christ never leaves you alone. You know, in the midst of the conflict, in the midst of all the troubles and all the difficulties, Christ is there. In Christ, we find peace, hope, joy, provision. Christ is always beside us. The next thing is comfort from the love of Christ. Comfort here means a calming relief because he loves us. In the midst of any storm, there's a coming relief that we have in Christ. And when that trouble comes, when that difficulty comes, you are calm within yourself because you know that God is in control. The next thing he says is fellowship through spirit, through the spirit. The Holy Spirit unites us to each other. The Holy Spirit is what brings us here together to be able to fellowship with each other. We have that already. It is the source of our unity with Christ, which allows us to be united with each other. The relationship that we have with each other is because first starts with God and us. If it wasn't for God, it wasn't for Christ. There's no point of gathering. There's no point of having fellowship because we're just going to be hanging out. That's it. But when we have fellowship, something good comes out of it. And then lastly, affection and compassion. This means that Christ is deep. Christ has his deep internal affection for us. He is compassionate. Jesus feels what we feel. He understands what we're going through. He sees us in the middle of all our troubles and, and he has pity and mercy on us. Paul is saying that these four gifts are communicated directly from Jesus, but also through the people. That's why Paul first asks them, asks the church to be united in the same attitude. He's talking about us having this deep, abiding, internal unity amongst each other. That's what Paul is calling them to do first. You have this already, so because you have this already, you can have this attitude. You can have this attitude that unites each one of you. And the same thing that Paul is saying to this church, the same thing applies to us. What Paul is saying is not specific just to them. He's not saying, hey, this is just for you guys. This won't work for anybody else. No, he's making a statement to them that we also have these things. We also have all this in Christ. So if we have this in Christ, this applies to us as well. And these are like four legs of the table that holds everything together for us. If, in fact, you say that you have encouragement, comfort, fellowship, affection, and compassion in Christ, it's almost guaranteed that you're going to have this attitude. You're going to have this same set of mind. And this is because these attitudes that are that, because these this gifts and these uh, blessings that Paul is talking about, is coming directly from God. It's coming directly from Christ. 
So whatever God gives you is perfect. It's going to work out. It's going to be exactly what you need. And since we all have received the same exact things, that only gives us room to be in the same set of mind. If you are in Christ and you've looked back at your life, you know you have experienced these blessings. We've all had days when, when we're in darkness and difficulties and, and we're just getting nonstop bad news and everything is just feels like it's falling apart, right? And what do we receive? We've received encouragement. We've received comfort. We have been able to fellowship with our brothers and sisters and we've all received affection and compassion when we need it. So there's no reason why we shouldn't feel that we should be united in this attitude. So what is this attitude that Paul's talking about? What is he, what is he referring to? Why did he set this up? What, what is he talking about? And this attitude is of being humble. And he starts with verse 3. He says, do, not, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. Let each of you look not only at his own interest, but also to the interest of others. So this verse sums, everything sums up with these verses with a simple idea. And this is something that we should all be known for. This is, if you're saying, well, you know, you get asked this question, what would you like people to know you for and remember you for? It's for being humble. That's what you should be known for, a person who was humble. And then Paul tells them exactly what this looks like. First, he says, you have to leave that selfish ambition. So Paul's not telling them that you have to leave ambition. You know, he's not saying leave ambition all, all together. Just be done with it. He's saying leave selfish ambitions. Because not all ambition is selfish. There are good ambitions that you have that will ultimately glorify God. But then there's ambitions that are very selfish which only focus on your personal gain. Whatever I can gain, whatever I can gain and receive from this, I'm want, that's what I want to do. That's what I'm going to do. So Paul tells them, leave, leave those desires behind. Leave all those desires of selfish personal gains. Start off by leaving those behind. Then he says, don't be conceited. And this is very simple. Paul's telling them, don't think you're better than everyone else. Don't think so high of yourself. You're not above anyone and no one's above you. Leave behind your pride, your ego, and anything that exalts you over everyone. He's saying, hey, guys, leave that behind. You need to let it go. And then he tells the church, all right, after you left your ambition, you're no longer conceited, right? You left that as well because you can't, you, you can't be humble if you think you're better than everybody else. You can't. 
right? You're constantly focusing on yourself. You, you, you can't be humble, right? And once you leave that, then look out for others. And this, this humbleness, right? This, this is not a virtue that our society kind of really looks up, right? It, it kind of, you know, frowns upon, right? And because and, we're constantly being told otherwise, right? Unless, of course, you should be humble because I need, I need something from you. So you, you better be humble because I need from you. Of course, to take advantage. Yeah, you're humble. Oh, good. I'm going to take advantage of this guy, right? So unless it's that, this is not something that, that they find much interest It doesn't matter what state in their life they're in, right? It doesn't matter who they are. It doesn't matter. This is something that he's asking from them. Look out for others. And this church is no different than any other church in society where they were not struggling with self-ambitions and, and, and things to point back to them. This is, they were struggling just like we would struggle with it. But what drives the whole Christian life can be boiled down to denying yourself and lifting Christ. And if we love Christ, we love who he loves. And if he loves others, we love others. And if we love others, we must be attentive to the needs of others. Now, if you look at verse 4 closely, Paul reveals to them the proper way that this is done. So, so now we're talking about we now are going to serve others. We're going to put others' attention first before ours. And this is, he tells them the proper way of doing that. He says, first, keep an eye out on your own interest. So before you go ahead and put somebody else first and... Follow me through this first. Don't think I'm contradicting. He says, keep an eye out for your own interests. So Paul is not saying that we should just ignore our interest. He's saying, first make sure your life is where it needs to be in regards to Christ. First make sure you are with Christ before you go ahead and minister to others. And of course, if it wasn't the case, he wouldn't have been telling us, hey, don't be conceited. You know, don't be, you know, don't have self-ambition. If that wasn't the case, he would have been like, don't worry about you being conceited. Don't worry about your ambitions. Just go, go work. Just, just go serve other people. No, he says, wait a second. Be okay with God first. Check yourself first. Paul tells them, keep an eye out for yourself first. Everybody likes to use about not judging. What does it say, right? Take the log out of your eye first before you try to take the speck out of your brother. He says, make sure you are okay first before you can help your brother. You see, this, this church, the Philippians, can't minister to others if their life is falling apart. If they're not okay with God, if they're not God-centered, if they're not living a life for Christ... They're not going to be of help to no one. Say, okay, fine. Then look out for the interests of others. And there's a but here. Right? When you read the verse, there's a but. Because 
but that connects both sentences. And this is because the priority is always on others. Paul is telling that when your spiritual life is where it needs to be, you will be in the right place to minister to others. Because getting your life in order means that you're going to be able to minister to others. So that's, that should be the goal. I want to minister to others, so let me get my, uh, for others, so let me get my life with Christ correct. So I can go help others. Because when you're in, 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 when you're where you need to be with God, the focus then switches over completely. Now, once you're in that stage, your focus is no longer on yourself. Now you can properly focus on somebody else. Now, as we grow in this society that, that teaches more and more to focus on yourself with things like, you know, let me be me, right? I got to do what I got to do. You know, do whatever makes you feel good, right? Don't push your ideas on mine. It's my ideas I'm going to push on you, right? Do whatever it takes to make yourself feel better. Whatever makes you happy, whatever makes you comfortable. Do, do what you got to do. Out of their own desire to satisfy their own desires. We know that the world is full of people, the majority of people, who are just really trying to satisfy what's in them the most. That's what we you know, have careers and have all these jobs and do all these vacations and go on all this because I, they just got to feel good. I, I just want to feel like I did something, right? I just, I just want to feel right. And in a world like that, it's hard for us to be humble. It's very difficult for us to be humble. Everyone is thinking about themselves, so there's no one left to think about me, right? And even that statement alone is, is unhumbling, but still, it's hard. It's hard because we all have needs, we all have desires, we all have things that we need help with, but everyone else is too focused on themselves to get help from. So it's hard to be humble. It almost kind of pushes you to be, you know, focused on yourself because no one else is helping you. So, I, I, you know, sometimes, I, you know, in my house, my wife gets mad, you know, it's, oh, you never ask for help. All right, because sometimes I ask. If we as a church body that's united and everyone is being, if you're serving and everyone is being served by you, everyone's being served. That's why I always say, if we're all helping each other, we're all helping each other and everyone else is receiving help. It basically comes down to that. That means if everyone's being looked up, no one's being looked down on. But we can't just jump in there. We can't just start making, you know, you know, being part of, 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 of people's life just because we feel like it. Let's just jump in there, just jump in the water, right? We got to make sure that we are okay with God. We got to make sure our lives is centered in Christ. Because you can't point someone to Christ if you are not in Christ. How do you give directions to someone when you don't know where you're going? It's like, hey, you tell me how to get here. I've never been there, but yeah. But you can't point me there. Just like you can't point me to Christ if you don't know who Christ is. You yourself is not there. So what makes you think you're going to help me get there? 
You have to make sure your life is in order because what happens is that then you're going to start guiding people in the wrong direction. You're going to start telling people things that you should probably not tell them. You're going to start agreeing with things that you probably shouldn't agree with. You're going to start giving them bad feedback, bad uh, uh, advices. And that's why I always tell people, don't, don't go to the world for advice. What do you think you're going to get from the world? You're going to get worldly advice. If you're looking for a godly-centered advice, you go to a godly-centered person to get the advice from. And that's what we should be. We should be at that point where we are that godly-centered people that are people coming to us for advice. So we can give them the godly-centered advice. That's why you need to deny yourself daily and lift Christ because it's the only way you're going to be able to see the needs of others. And this is the only way that you're going to see the needs of others are more important than yourself. And then you're going to be able to serve those the way you have been called to serve. Of being high-minded in ourselves and just self-absorbed, we, we naturally have this uh, have a greater concern for the interests and the needs for others. As we put our own things aside, as we deny ourselves those things that we want, those self-pleasures that we are always seeking for, as we start to deny those things and, and put those things away, it's, it's just going to be this natural thing that's going to flow from you where you're going to want to serve others. Amazing things happen when I, con- when I consider you above me and when you consider yourself, uh, sorry, not above me. Sorry, when I consider you above me and me, uh, am I seeing this backwards, right? When I consider you above me and you consider me above you. There we go. That's better said. And that's the goal. It's, it's not that we spend our whole life in this season of trying to get to Christ. I'm, st- I'm, still, I'm still there. Three years? No, no, that's not the, the point. That's not the point where you get stuck in that season trying to come to Christ. We should be aiming to get to that point where we're serving people like Christ did. That's our goal. That's what we should be striving for, to, to serve others the same way God served us. That's why Paul continues and points them to a great example. The best example you're going to find in the whole Bible. He starts with verse 5. Have this mind among yourself, which is yours in Christ Jesus. He starts by telling them, them to have the same mindset that Jesus had. It's like, hey, if you need an example, here's Jesus. Have the same attitude Jesus had. And he's talking about all the attitudes, everything we just kind of went through. Jesus had all those attitudes, and all those attitudes reflected in Jesus should have. Paul's not asking them something that was impossible. He's not asking them something that no one's ever done before. He's not asking of them of something that Jesus is never able to do, right? He's asking them to do something that is possible. Have the attitude that Jesus did. And then next verse, he, he gives us an overview of what Jesus did. He says, who, though he was in the form of God, 
did not count equality with God as a thing to be grasped. But he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death. Even death on a cross. Jesus. No one. No one has been God and had come down to this world to be a servant. Paul is saying Jesus is God and was God before anything ever existed. Jesus existed from all eternity. He was always fully God. I mean, he had to be God in order to die for sinners because that's what he was required. That was the payment. Someone perfect to pay for the penalty of us. And there was no human, no one in this world ever created that can do this. So Jesus had to be God. So Paul is reminding them that Jesus did not begin his existence the day he was born on earth. Jesus had to step out of eternity and then step into time. So he went from God, out of time, out of creation, into step out and step in to do what he needed to do for them and for us. Jesus emptied himself. And let me tell you, he didn't give up his deity. He did not be, he all of a sudden, oh, he's not God. Now he's just human. No, he, he emptied himself. He, he came here uh, to be a servant. He humbled himself to a point of death. Here's a God who didn't need to do any of this. Doing it. I mean, that's humbleness, right? And he didn't do it for himself. He didn't, he didn't need that. He doesn't need you either. He did it for you. He did it to serve you, to serve them, to church to serve, to, to serve the church in Philippi. So now you gotta ask yourself, do you reflect us to feel what we feel, to experience what we experience, and at the same time to give his life in order that we may be saved? We're called disciples of Christ for a reason, right? That's because everything in our life should follow, of, be an example and follow that of Christ's life. We're to love, we're, we're to obey, we're to suffer, we're to entrust ourselves into God, just like Jesus did. We must put on this attitude of humbleness and follow the footsteps of Jesus. See, Jesus loves his people so much he set no limit to what he would do to humble himself. He said, well, you know, we're never going to be able to do what Jesus did. No, I, I know we're not going to meet those standards. I mean, think about it. As, as soon as someone just disappoints you, all of a sudden we just, eh, eh. 
he needs help, eh, he left me hanging last week. He could deal with himself. I don't care. He should have not left me hanging, right? We want to return that, that evil favor back, right? Oh, he, he didn't help me when I needed help. I'm not going to help him. We're so quick to do that, right? It's so easy, so natural. I mean, I get it. We fall short. But because we fall short doesn't mean that we, we give in to that desire of the world and, and take on this arrogant, selfish attitude where we think we're better than everyone and we're just going to focus on us because we're never going to meet 100% of Jesus' standard. I'm not like Jesus. See, our shortcoming is what makes grace so good. Even when, even when we are fallen in our nature and we rebel against God, yet He still loves us. We don't deserve it, but He gave it to us. For that same grace that, that He gives us, the same grace that we're receiving, should be what keeps us moving towards being grace. You're going to strive to be humble like Jesus. You're going to continue to work and be as close as possible to Jesus. We know we're never going to get there, but one day we'll be perfect. And as we're here, we're going to continue to work and be more like Christ. And that's being humble. That's giving everything you have and just focusing on others. And we're doing that united. We're going to find joy in that because we're going to be able to help each other and everyone's going to be helped and you're going to help and everybody helps, everyone gets help. And if Paul's finding joy in this, we're also going to find joy in this. Now, I want to tell you this, and I'll end with this. If you, if you have been drifting away, right, if your attitude is starting to look more like, you know, like the world than Christ, if you're no longer see joy in putting others first, if you're there, you're, you're struggling with that, all of a sudden you don't feel like it anymore. You're just struggling with, with being humble. Because only when we are in Christ can we see this that true and perfect will of the Father, and only through Him can we all have a joyful desire to serve others. The only way we're going to have that desire to be like Christ is if we're more in Christ, if we're more seeking Christ, if we're more reading, learning, knowing, praying, fellowshipping, because we need to fellowship. This is how we see the reflection of Christ with us, with the church. There's many reasons that you could be in that situation where you're saying, you know, I'm not, I just don't feel it. There's many reasons why. You can be struggling. You can be, you know, just angry at the church. You can, there's many tons of reasons. You can create a whole list of reasons why you don't feel like this. But you got to put that all aside and just... Focus on Christ, and you're going to see how Christ is going to work in you, and then you're, one day you're going to see you're going to have this desire that you lost. Just want to pray. Just pray with me. Father in heaven, Lord, we just pray that you make us more like you. Father, if we've lost this desire to serve others, Lord, put it back in us, Lord. 
draw us closer to you, Father. Allow us to be okay with you and, and, and have our lives reflect who you are in order that we go and help those around who needs it. Father, you called us to do this. That means you're going to provide the means for it. Even if it's hard, even if it's difficult, even if at points in times we don't want to do it, Lord, you've given us this heart and this desire, Lord. We just ask that you allow us to take on this, Lord, and, and actually follow through with it, Lord. Father, may, may we put you first in every one so far. We ask that you just continue to work in us. Father, thank you for being that example we needed. Thank you because you came down from your throne even though you didn't have to. You did it for us, and we can follow that example. Father, thank you for who you are. In your name we pray. Amen. Hope you enjoyed this week's sermon. If you have any questions, would like to connect, or listen to our library sermons, jump right over to our website at www.holycitychurch.us. Again, we want to thank you for listening, and remember, this podcast is not intended to replace your time at the church. So we hope you have a blessed week, and talk to you again next week on Catch Up with Holy City Church. Holy City Church.